Living a well-balanced lifestyle goes beyond ensuring your finances are in order. Welcome to Keeping the Well in Wealthy with Barbara Archer from Hightower. Barbara speaks with wellness industry leaders and related professionals to share more than financial planning advice. She addresses your questions about living a healthy lifestyle at any age. Learn how to gracefully maneuver life's challenges with support and resources to guide you along the way. Barbara and the team at Hightower help you make a plan, make an investment, and make a difference in your own wealth and well-being, and in your families, and within your community. Thank you for listening to Keeping the Well in Wealthy with Barbara Archer, sponsored by Hightower. Now, on to the show. Hello, and welcome to Keeping the Well in Wealthy with your host, Barbara Archer from Hightower. Barbara, how are you? I'm terrific, Eric. How are you this morning? I'm fantastic. I'm excited. You've got another guest on the show and I'm here to learn along with the audience what this is all about. Who'd you bring on? Well, I brought in Kathy Belosik, and we're going to have a discussion on having difficult conversations today. All right, sounds good. All right, so have you personally experienced the death of a loved one, a spouse, a parent, a child, or a close friend? How do we reach out to those who have experienced such a loss? Have you had the hard conversation with your families or your friends about preparing for the ultimate end? Death and dying can be difficult conversations. And today, we have an experienced and empathetic guest who will help us prepare our families for the inevitable. To quote Kathy Belosic, grief is grief, no matter how you spin it. It can define you, destroy you, or strengthen you. Kathy Belosic is an educator empathy and grief communication coach, university lecturer, speaker, and widow ambassador on a mission to normalize the hard conversations surrounding loss and life's difficult transitions. She is the founder of Grief Smart Advisor, where she teaches financial professionals how to improve their grief literacy communication skills to best serve bereaved clients, specifically understanding the surviving spouse. She is also the host of the podcast, One Well Widow, where she helps widowed people navigate a new path forward. Welcome, Kathy. I appreciate you being with us today. Thank you, Barbara. It is such an honor. And I just listening to your intro, it felt very humbling. I don't, I'm not sure I do all those things. <laughs> you do. <laughs> Trust me, you do. I'm really looking forward to our conversation and how it can help people in this orbit that we're speaking to today. I am looking forward to it as well. So can we please start with your personal story when at a young age, and with five children, you were widowed. I understand your husband was sick for five years. So what were some of your most memorable and meaningful conversations? Yes. Uh, well, I went from being a young mother, being a soccer mom, to a caregiver, to a widow at a very young age. And we had the luxury of having those five years to talk about the most important things, because most people in that age range, 30s and 40s, they're not thinking that. They're thinking about taking care of their aging parents, but they're definitely not thinking of becoming a widow. And we spent a lot of time talking about the children and the expectations that 
that he had for his children. We, he really wanted to make sure that I understood all the financial side. And, and that's I had, wonderful to begin with, Kathy. Yes. The earlier, had, the better on that. <laughs> exactly. And prior to him, his diagnosis, I did not take an active role in the long-term finances. I completely trusted him. I was doing other things and it became very clear that I needed to have an equal role in those conversations and really learn about the finances. And our conversations led to a lot of things like he wanted me to remarry. He wanted the children to go to college. He wanted me to know that I was going to be well taken care of financially. And even in that role, when it's right in front of your face, it's still very difficult to talk about. I didn't want to talk about which funeral home he had chosen. I didn't want to talk about his pension and how that would help me longer in longer years. So if, if, you're, if you have the opportunity to talk about these things in a situation that hasn't arisen yet, it's such a gift. It is a gift. Yeah, planning ahead of time. Mm -hmm. And you and I had a short conversation. We're going to dig into that. And I do want to start with, since you've even had this personal experience, and you do help not only professionals, but other friends and family of those that have experienced loss. Can you share with us just from the beginning, because this comes up quite a bit, what are the best ways that you would suggest to reach out to someone that has experienced a personal loss? I think that is the universal question, right? You know, people often say, who do you work with? Everyone. My message is to really normalize these conversations and what to do, what not to do. A few takeaways here. Number one, ignoring it is the worst. It, death, dying, being a griever is very isolating. And so do something say something, even if you stumble over those words, but say something. That's number one. Number two in best practices is really thinking about what not to say. If saying things, you know, we death is such a, a personal aspect. It brings up a lot of our own personal fears. And so we dance around it. And we justify it, saying things like, if only they would have made it through Christmas, at oh. least they didn't have to suffer. You know, it's in God's hands. You're young. You'll meet somebody new. Mm -hmm. What they're really saying is they don't want to talk about it. And they're trying to make the subject go away when really acknowledge it. I... I'm saddened to hear that you lost your husband, John. Say their name. I love hearing my husband's name, even after all these years. Oh, Tell a lovely. story. So using the name is important. Yes. Acknowledge, use their name. Thank it's you. like whipped cream. Aww. Okay. It just really is. It feels good. Then say a memory or what they'll remember, be remembered by or a story, 
because death is a, a loss of a life. It's not a loss of a relationship. I've moved forward in my life and have a new wonderful relationship, but I take the relationship that my husband had and I with me. I take John wherever I go, <laughs> you know, and he lives on in through his children. You know, his parents want to talk about it. My family want to talk about him and he's a constant presence in a life. So really acknowledging, saying their names, saying a memory and meeting people in their agony. Oh, of course. This can't be cheered up. No. And they have to just get through it, right? Yes. And so being there, I sometimes just think that physical presence, Mm -hmm. just a hug, sometimes there aren't words. There aren't words and silence, get comfortable in silence. That's fine. Some other things that are really helpful that you should do is write a personal note. If you knew this person, take the time, get a blank card and write the same three things I just said, acknowledge, say their name and a memory because Mm -hmm. a sympathy card, sympathy, you know, nothing really nails it. Let your words show through. Those are the cards that I kept. It's been 15 years and I still have those types of cards. And in a world of social media and people announcing these things, or you hear some of a death or somebody who is in long-term care, sometimes that's a way of cope and we announce it and that's fine. You can acknowledge that on social media, but it doesn't replace a phone call, a letter, speaking to that person. It's not personally reaching out. Personally, yes. Bingo. Well, and you mentioned loss isn't just death. You know, when you and I had a conversation, we talked about health scares, job losses, caring for a parent when people are just exhausted, cognitive loss, or a child with a disability. So reaching out at those times just sounds like we can use many of these same techniques. It's so pivotal. And they actually call that anticipatory grief. Uh, When you are experiencing those that are not a death, but they're associated with loss and worry and anxiety, you're you're anticipating what might be happening. And when you get a health diagnosis, it can have a real domino effect. Then you've Mm -hmm. got to talk about long-term care. And then you've got to talk about all these other things. And you as an empathizer can really reach out and stay in touch. Let them know that you're there. Offer to help them in some way. Take something off their plate. Run an errand for them. Ask them if they need any resources. We're a dialed-in society that we shouldn't Mm -hmm. have to go Google this if we are the person that this is affecting. Let our friends do that. Well, and you mentioned the word anticipatory. So one of the things I'm interested in is how do you begin engaging, whether it's your spouse or your parents or your children in this tough conversation, the need for not only having legal and financial documents locatable, but understanding their personal wishes and their expectations. You mentioned about your husband, what he wanted. So how do we begin these discussions? The best 
way forward is in inches. We think we have to open the floodgates for all of these conversations. And so we end up doing nothing. And pick one topic. It might sound like something like, hey, mom, I really want to help you get organized. Who do you trust to know where everything is? Is it me? Do you want to have my sister, my brother? And it's just an invite. I think it's really important that you use it as an invite, an offer, a question, and then the receiving person is going to say yes, no, maybe, or when. That's one of the most important things. We go back to when we have a grieving person. We don't want to come in and say, if only you'd do this, or you should. Nobody likes to hear that. It's interesting when you talk about broaching these subjects, I can remember having a conversation with my mother, two words I used in one, I wanted to be prepared to know her story for her obituary someday. But we talked about what story she wanted to have told. And then the other one for her final wishes, my mother loves to throw a party. And so we talked about what kind of party and celebration she would want. So it was having those conversations, knowing the person on more of a joyful journey, as opposed to a depressing one. Absolutely. And I approach it as just this wonderful opportunity to have the most loving, mature, respectful Mm -hmm. conversation. And that is worthy of trying every angle possible to get it done. Whether it's an invite, whether it's, you know, let, I really want to take you to dinner. Let's pick one thing in your later years that that you want to tell me about, Mm -hmm. or, you know, you put it in writing, mom or dad, I want to talk about some end of life wishes so that I know, you know, however it is possible, because not everybody's verbal, not everybody wants that blind side. Oh my gosh, I don't want to talk about that. So you try a variety of communication modes to get them to the table and schedule it. I'm a big fan with date night. You know, <laughs> I like that. Sure. I think it's wonderful. A time for couples every other week, once a month, whatever it is, you plan it, you schedule it. How about a date night once a month? talking about these things. If I'm 35, I might have aging parents and my spouse might have aging parents. We might have very different views what that looks like when we are older. Is a parent going to live with us? Is a parent going to have long-term care? And we start opening up these conversations with our spouse. I believe our partners should be the best listener on the planet. And I should be the best listener for my partner. I think that's really important to listen, to learn, to discuss, to find options and decision free. We're not talking about decisions right now. We're just putting the cards on the table. And I had a short conversation just about the impact of COVID, what that has taught us about loss and grief and death and 
I think you stated the statistic from New York Life mm-hmm. that 71% of adults and 79% of those who lost someone to COVID want a more open national dialogue about death and loss. So there are people that want to have this conversation and someone's got to. Absolutely. I mean, this is why I teach grief literacy communication. You know, I'm not a grief counselor, but I'm going to help you talk about these things and get comfortable with these things because people want it. They need it. And if you don't do it, you're in a very stressful scenario trying to do it. And, you know, the whole saying an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. However you want to spin that. Well, what is the average age today of a widow or widower? It's actually 59 and it's Mm. trending lower. And so when you think about if it's 59, you're talking about a lot of people in their 45s, 50 that are, that have children or have college age children. They're not really thinking about retirement. They're not thinking about my golden years yet. And that sandwich generation where they're taking care of their kids and and still working is is a very hard thing to balance well it is i've read that it's an extra 25 to 35 hours a week in caregiving i mean we know many people are already exhausted with their own children and working Mm full-time and then to care for their parents on top of that it's a tough it's a tough road very tough road. And whether it's caregiving and back to your point about, you know, the impact of COVID and how it really created loss and change in our life and our schedules and working from home and having children at home and all these secondary losses that this collective grief of our society experienced. And if that hasn't taught us anything about getting these conversations out because just because I close my eyes doesn't mean it's not there. True. So, you know, and I do have a question. You mentioned that your husband said to you, he would like for you to remarry, but isn't marriage for a widow or a widower, sometimes a financial decision rather than one of the heart. We have to be concerned about loss of social security benefits or a pension and choosing the right power of attorney, whether it's for the money or the health care. So I, I'd like to know your opinions on some of those issues. Um, excellent question. And it's pivotal of what I teach for widows mm. is that widowhood is financial. It, it truly is. And widowhood is a gender neutral term. It, it refers to both men and women, but it leans so far female. It's four to one. Oh my goodness. Women to men. And so people, our society just assumes that it's um, women. And there are laws and policies in place that don't favor widowed people. For example, social security. When somebody passes away, when a spouse passes away, you you get income benefits to for yourself or for your children or wherever whatever stage you are. And if you're working, there's a limit for how much you can receive. Mm -hmm. 
And so, and it's a fairly low number. It's uh, currently it's $19,560 for this year. year. So I went back to work. I started teaching at the college and every month I would get a love letter from social security. (laughs) That's what I call it of how much money I owed them back. And so if I made over $1,500 a month, you pay them back $1 for every two that you make. So it's like working twice as hard for half as less. And so it's almost, it's very disheartening to go back to work and want to contribute to society. And remarriage, if you have a pension from a late spouse and you choose to remarry, you are giving up that pension. Mm. And those things, considering your age and your investments and social securities and later on life transitions, marriage, remarriage might not be on the table because you don't want to be a burden for your children. You don't want to worry about money in your later years. And walking away from a pension for a remarriage and then the statistics surrounding divorce and gray divorce, you're risking that again. Absolutely. So it's not cut and dry. In my heart, I want a remarriage. The way I was raised, my faith, everything. But logically and practically, you have to be wise and you have to protect yourself first before you can protect your family. Thank you. I think about that. (laughs) I have these conversations with our friends and clients and many times it is that discussion's difficult because of they may be in a relationship and does it make sense for them to secure that relationship in a marriage or just to have a secure relationship, period? Absolutely. And back to your power of attorney questions and yes. so much of death, grief, end of life decisions are from a practical standpoint. You have people think there's just one person for the power attorney. You you need two. I, I had two different people for my late husband, one that knew a lot about finances, which was my brother-in-law, and one that knew more about health, which was my sister. And And I'm just going to stop and clarify that many people don't realize that there are two different powers of attorney, and they don't need to be the same person. So the health care is different than the financial part. So as you just suggested, you can select the right individual. And let's talk about the person that's appropriate, their skill sets or their knowledge. But also, let's talk a little bit about their location. Where are they in respect to where you're living? Absolutely. Because, you know, I can give a personal example. My mother is in her 80s and she's healthy but I'm the one who is doing all the financial side because I experienced it firsthand. Mm -hmm. I know all of those documents, what needs to be handled, but I don't live in Montana. 
I grew up in Montana and I'll always be a Montana girl, but my sister, my older sister and brother and little sister all live near my mom. And my older sister is near this, their, her hometown. That makes much more sense from a health perspective. Of course it does. Sure. And so sometimes, you know, we don't think we want to put our parents in long-term care, or we want to honor their wishes, or we want to do things. But the practicality and the age you are and the, your families, sometimes that's not always feasible. And so it's really good to have two people that can handle things, and then they have a support system around them. When my mother had breast cancer several years ago, there's four kids. Each of us took a week oh, and wow. in, in the month. That's... And, you know, I flew so there. So you shared that responsibility. To share that responsibility. Of course. I'm not sure that would be feasible long-term if it was would have been more serious. It would be my older sister because she lives right there. And so we want to do things, we can prepare to do things, but the practical side of end of life and these decisions usually trumps a lot of this. Well, Kathy, I want to talk about more practical preparations. Our audience knows that they should have their wills and trusts in place, their powers of attorney, their health directives, and Many times we encourage people to keep reviewing those, but let's talk about things that maybe they don't think about, their passwords, letting their families know where the documents are, the financial documents, their statements, where is the money? Is it spread all around? Are they in seven different banks and three brokerage places? Do they have an advisor? So what are some of the items that you think are important to list together for your family or your friends, whomever might be stepping in to assist with your estate when you're no longer there? That is such a key piece because the organization and structure is key. It is like the biggest scavenger hunt ever. And we've all experienced that. Anyone that's had a loss in their families... (laughs) We become like forensic accountants and, you know, we're researching. We become detectives. What's this? Where is that? It it can be very confusing if it's not organized. It can. And there's paperwork. There's things for the estate, passwords. There's bank accounts. There's things for your home, insurance. There's so many account numbers and any more now we're online. And so what are right. the passwords? What are the login information? And depending on the age of person and the technological savviness of that person, sometimes these are just written in a book. Sometimes they're on an app, but organizing and knowing, having somebody in your family knowing exactly where everything is and it's organized, that's something you could really do from the practical side to help somebody. Because, I mean, it took 10 years for me to find a safety deposit box key for my my late husband, and they wouldn't let me in it. And I mean, 
those types of things. <laughs> it make it seems crazy, but those things happen. And they it's do. why and you know, and this is a good way for an individual to start a conversation by saying, I've just organized these things that I'd like to share with you and my last wishes. I mean, we can take that first step. Absolutely. So many of things in life are in the setup. If you're going to stick the landing, you had to do some <laughs> prep work. And I really want people to think about that, that these are some things that you could do monthly to really locate and understand. I didn't know any of these things prior. I didn't even know what a power of attorney was. Hmm. I didn't even know that I had a trust. All of these things that I had to learn the hard way. And so Kathy, I could I ask you to help yes. enforce what we always ask our clients to do? Both couples need to attend the meetings. We oh. require that. And even if you don't feel like you're interested in the financial part, we also talk about the estate planning, the taxes, so many pieces that even if you sit there and just begin absorbing and learning and knowing how to access the data, that makes you 10 steps ahead of the person that stays home and says, I'm not interested. I can't even begin. That's usually one of my openers when a stranger meets me and they ask me what I do. And I said, please attend those meetings with your advisor. Thank you. I had a wonderful advisor. I didn't attend. And the guilt and shame around oh. not knowing that I have continued to care with me, carry with me is not worth it. And you don't realize, I don't know the exact data, but it, there was an article that said something about 90% of women will at one point in their life be solely responsible for the financial decisions mm. in a marriage. At or on their point, own. Or, or on, or their, on own. their own. Yes. And I wasn't educated. I had no clue what to do. And doing it in a stressful time, I don't even know how it got done. And there's so many more opportunities for both partners to learn how to grow their money, how to keep it safe, how to have it freeing rather than have it a stressful conversation. And this is an opportunity that I never realized I was giving up. Kathy, we appreciate today's meaningful information and sharing how to respond to those grieving, appreciating the need for preparing those left behind with access to legal and financial documents and passwords, and for best practices to prepare our loved ones about our wishes with open and loving conversations. So Kathy, in closing, please tell us how you keep your well in wealthy. Well, thank you, Barbara. This has been such a joy and a privilege. So I appreciate that. Keeping the well and wealthy. So being well to me, it's about knowing exactly where everything is so that I'm confident and pre prepared when life changes. This allows me to feel safe and to feel free. 
And I get to choose how I align my money to what is important to me in life. Well, thank you. We're grateful to you, Kathy, for sharing your knowledge and preparing our families for the inevitable. If you visit kathybalasek.com, you can read more about Kathy and tune into her podcast, One Well Widow, where guests share their stories with wit, wisdom, and some fun along the way. Thank you for joining us. Kathy, I can't thank you enough for being on the show. This has been fantastic. You did give me a lot of food for thought, and that last comment actually is in line with what I was thinking. I am a major pack rat, major pack rat. I almost take pride in being a pack rat, but now I know that I need to get that that stuff organized so that my wife knows where all my little things are, all the little things that I've collected through the years, whether it's just for the kids or grandkids or whatever. Um, so she knows, and it's just not just a big mess that she's going to have to deal with. Should I, you know, expire before she does. So thank you so much for being on the show, Barbara, of course, thank you so much for facilitating this and always bringing on amazing guests. And our last thank you is for you, the listening audience. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to keeping the well and wealthy with Barbara Archer. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below this way. When Barbara comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. And we humbly ask that you share this podcast, rate it and leave a review is this actually does help other people find the show. Again, thank you so much for listening today. For everyone at Hightower, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to go out in the world and make a difference. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Keeping the Well in Wealthy with Barbara Archer, sponsored by Hightower. Click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Hightower Wealth Advisors. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Hightower Wealth Advisors is a group comprised of investment professionals registered with Hightower Advisors LLC and SEC Registered Investment Advisor. Some investment professionals may also be registered with Hightower Securities LLC, member FINRA and SIPC. Advisory services are offered through Hightower Advisors, LLC. Securities are offered through Hightower Securities, LLC. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities. No investment process is free of risk, and there is no guarantee that the investment process or the investment opportunities referenced herein will be profitable. Past performance is neither indicative nor a guarantee of future results. The investment opportunities referenced herein may not be suitable for all investors. All data or other information referenced herein is from sources believed to be reliable. Any opinions, news, research, analysis, prices, or other data or information contained in this presentation is provided as general market commentary and does not constitute investment advice. Hightower Wealth Advisors and Hightower Advisors LLC or any of its affiliates make no representations or warranties expressed or implied as to the accuracy or completeness of the information or for statements or errors or omissions or results obtained from the use of this information. Hightower Wealth Advisors and Hightower Advisors LLC assume no liability for any action made or taken in reliance on or relating in any way to this information. The information is provided as of the date referenced in the document. Such data and other information are subject to change without notice. This document was created for informational purposes only. The opinions expressed herein are solely those of the authors and do not represent those of Hightower Advisors LLC or any of its affiliates.
Hightower Advisors LLC or any of its affiliates do not provide tax or legal advice. This material is not intended or written to provide and should not be relied upon or used as a substitute for tax or legal advice. Information contained herein does not consider an individual's or entity's specific circumstances or applicable governing law, which may vary from jurisdiction to jurisdiction and be subject to change. Clients are urged to consult their tax or legal advisor for related questions.